that's how I feel about writing is that yeah. stories are just stories and we love a good story. And at the end of the day, we don't care. We just want to read a good story. So the people that like the book, I feel like they're like, this is a great story. It wasn't even intentional. I think I didn't know how at the time. I didn't know how to like structure a book like that, but I still think that it's cool how it ended up because it is just this visceral embodied virtual reality. Yes. You put yourself in my shoes and you are walking down the trail. So that's kind of cool. Why, hello, my friends. I am dropping a couple of extra episodes just as a little thank you for all that you do and all that you've been in my community all year. And this episode is something completely different from the type of guest I normally have on this show. Today, I bring you someone whose book has become a little bit of an obsession of mine, and I used my quote-unquote status as a podcaster to get time to speak with this author, and I still can't believe she agreed to do it. You're about to meet Carrot Quinn. Here's the short story of who Carrot Quinn is. She is a long-distance hiker and writer who splits her time between Alaska and the wide-open spaces of the Western United States. She is the author of the book, Through Hiking Will Break Your Heart, An Adventure on the Pacific Crest Trail. And she's also written the book, The Sunset Route, Freight Trains, Forgiveness, and Freedom on the Rails of the American West. But the deeper story here is that Carrot was raised in Alaska on welfare by a schizophrenic single mother who thought that she was the reincarnation of Virgin Mary. At 14, Carrot was adopted by her conservative Catholic grandparents and went to high school in a small Colorado town near the Utah border. At 17, she moved out on her own and worked graveyard shifts at Denny's to support herself during her senior year of high school. In 2001, at 19, she moved to Portland and fell in with a bunch of straight-edged anarchists. You can't make this up, this is real. These straight-edged anarchists taught her how to ride freight trains, dumpster all her food, talk about her feelings, and cook things in cast iron skillets. To quote Carrot in her bio, it was, quote unquote, fucking awesome. She spent her 20s working summers in Alaska, riding in the winters in Portland, and in between she hitchhiked and rode freight trains across this great North American continent. At 28, she was tired of breathing diesel exhaust and accruing trespassing tickets, so she hung up her stained car hearts, so to speak, figuring her life of adventure was over. But luckily, a few years later, she discovered long distance hiking and decided to hike the Pacific Crest Trail, all 2,650 miles of it, twice. That is what her memoir, Through Hiking Will Break Your Heart, is about her very first time on the PCT. I fell in love with this memoir. I became obsessed with it. And so I bring you me fangirling all over and trying to act normal around the singular Carrot Quinn. So let me start by telling you how I found your book, because I'm always curious about that. When people find my podcast, I'm like, how did you get to me? And the way I found your book is I get Outside Magazine. I'm very much part of the sort of industrial complex of modern life. Like I have three kids, I have a job, I'm a communication coach and do all the things. But there's this part of me that wants to blow the whole thing up and just hit the road. And so I heard about this podcast about this dude 
who was podcasting his experience through hiking the Pacific Crest Trail. And so I started listening to his podcast and I'm like, I mean, I'm not that into it, but he mentioned how inspired he was by your book. And I was like, okay, this I got to hear. So then I got onto Audible and started listening and I was like, my eyes were like saucers. I was so into it. But what I love about your book is that it is, yes, it's the most fun you've ever had, but Kara, your writing style is very much, you're just describing what's happening. (laughs) It's not like, and then aliens appeared in the sky and then I found a birthday cake. It's very grounded in just present moment awareness. Is that your writing style forever and ever? And that's just how you do it? Or what is that? I think that is my writing style in general, but I think in particular, it comes across in that book because it was, I think the reason that hike was so fun was because I'd never done anything like that in my life and everything was so new. And I feel like when something is new for us, we experience it in a way that we can never replicate, like ever. Next time we do that thing, like, you know, I went on to do all these other long hikes and they were great, but they never felt as earth shattering as that one, like as far as like experientially or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, I think when we're something is new to us, we see it in this way that like, once it's no longer new, it changes and you can never get it back. It's funny, one of my biggest influences, I didn't realize these are one of my biggest influences until I reread them as an adult. But when I was a kid, I read the Little House on the Prairie books. Oh yeah, Lord Eagles Wilder, of course. And of course, you know, whatever, they're very fraud. It's like colonization, yeah, blah, blah, there's, blah. Yeah, there's a whole lot of baggage, but yeah. still, I understand yeah, what you mean. I reread them as an adult because I was like, I wonder if I would still like these. And I realized that the way she writes had ingrained itself into my subconscious as like the ultimate thing to aspire to. Like, they're incredible. Like the first one is written for like elementary school students. So yes. it's not, it doesn't slap quite as hard, but then it becomes middle school level. And then they're like, great. But it's kind of like Harry Potter. That first book, it's like, okay, it's a children's book. But as you go, you're like, damn. But how would you describe that writing style, Kara? What is it? So you might remember this, but one thing about Laura is one of her sisters was blind. Mm -hmm. And so one thing she did was she would describe the world around her to blind Mary so that everywhere they went, she would describe the pansies and the buffalo wallows and describe the sky. And I think that's a big part of the writing, but it basically just... It's just like these scenes where she's describing basically what it smells like, what it feels like, the colors, the temperature, sensations, just all this very grounded attention to detail that's very sensual. It's like very sensual and and it's hypnotic, like the books are hypnotic. So, Well, your writing's hypnotic too. I mean, I keep telling my friends I'm in virtual reality when I'm reading your book (laughs) because I feel like I'm looking out through your eyes. I think what I'm getting at is I think because the pace of modern life is so insane and it's so hard just to make a living as a human being in 2023 that there's so much fear and anxiety. It's hard to have a conversation. There's something so luxurious and dazzling about just being like, this is what the morning feels like. This is what my stomach feels like because I'm hungry. (laughs) It's so good. So let me ask you this. The second time you hiked the PCT, which was what year did you first hike the Pacific Crest Trail? And when did you hike it again? The first time was 2013 and the second time was 2014. So I went back. And part of the reason I went back is because I was like, why was that so fun? And I was curious and I went back and I enjoyed the second time also. And I enjoyed all the long trails I hiked after that. But I did come around 
the realization that the, re- the reason the first time was so fun was because of how new it is. And that whenever we're doing something that's new, yeah, it's like an experience that just cannot ever be replicated. Well, there's something in the spirit that just wakes up. I had that experience. I went to Greece in 2001, before 9-11. It was still on the drachma. There was no euro currency. And it felt like magic. Like every corner I turned, I was like, what is this place? And then I went back 10 years later and it was so sad. It was still beautiful, still magnificent. But that experience, that wide-eyed wonder, you only get that once, right? Yeah. And I think maybe that's what, like when we're children, it's like that the whole time. Yes. So maybe that's why it feels so special to find something that feels that way as an adult because we just don't get to feel that way very often. Yeah. Do you have anything that makes you feel like that? Like you've done the Appalachian <laughs> Trail, like you've done all manner of hikings. Are there any things in that universe that give you that jolt? Are you pursuing, I guess the question is, are you pursuing that magic in other places? Actually, I have not done the Appalachian Trail, but I have done a bunch of other ones. I have never been able to replicate that experience. I think the reason is because before, through hiking the PCT in 2013 for the first time, I'd never done something really physically challenging. Like I'd never been an athlete. I was a bike commuter. I would walk. I would jog a little bit, but I'd never really push myself physically. Mm. And so when I hiked the PCT, it was my first experience of being really, really, really embodied where your whole day revolves around doing physical activity in your body, like being in your body for better or worse, because that kind of lifestyle is awful if you don't feel good, if you're sick, if you're injured, if you're whatever. But when you feel good, that experience of being in your body all day long in nature is so magical and humans are more urban than they've ever been in human history. And we're Mm. so disconnected from nature. And we also like, especially in the US and places that are car-centric, like our lives are set up not to be very physical and we have to like go out of our way to be in our bodies, to like move and to feel our bodies and to move in different ways. Yeah, to be like embodied in that way. And so to have this experience where for five months, all I was doing every day was just being in my body in nature Yeah, it was this like explosively incredible experience. You know, obviously it's not something I could keep up because long distance hiking, you're kind of pushing yourself too hard, which is obviously not sustainable. It's not great for you. There's not really much rest built in and obviously you can't do it forever. And any of us can only ever do it for moments, if at all. All of these things, pushing ourselves physically is only something we can ever do for short periods, if at all. Yeah. I just try and hold it as like this amazing experience. Once in a lifetime experience, I got to have this intersection of this amazing 24-7 intense embodiment in the woods combined Mm -hmm. with all the other new aspects of it that I'll never be able to replicate that. So it's a very unbalanced existence. So I don't feel like I'm chasing it because it it definitely wasn't sustainable. Like by the end, I I was like low-key ill. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure, especially because the funniest part of just hearing your storytelling on the PCT is that you guys show up in towns like raccoons and you're like, I want a cheeseburger. I want a milkshake. I want three pieces of pizza. Like you're so hungry. I think on something like that, you realize that because you exist in such this primal state where it's just you and your body and no distractions all day long. And so food loses all of its other meaning and all of its other like there's no there's no like virtue there's no no no, it's just (laughs) you have this furnace going and you need to feed it so when i downloaded your book 
the thing that was in the back of my mind was, I read Wild by Cheryl Strayed. Is this going to be another Wild by Cheryl Strayed? Because you can't out Wild Wild. And you either love that book, you hate that book. And I instantly, I started listening to it. I was like, this is a completely different universe from that book. Same stage, same backdrop, completely different universe. And one of the things that struck me is like, the premise of Wild is Cheryl Strayed is processing trauma, real specific types of trauma, the death of her mother, her own addiction. She was trying to untangle the knot that was Cheryl Strayed on the trail. And it's a magnificent telling of that story. Your story is about that embodiment. It's about one human critter, one human mammal doing this really extreme embodiment. But then about three quarters of the way through the book, we get a peek into your backstory with your family and how you grew up. And I was like in my car driving and my jaw was on the ground. Did you make that decision about really grounding the book in your hiking experience and putting your backstory way, 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 way towards the second half of the book? Was that a decision you made? Did your literary agent tell you to do that? Like, how did that come to be? I actually didn't put much thought into the editing of Through Hiking Will Break Your Heart. So it started out as a blog because I was hiking and posting a blog post every day from the trail. So it's like day one, day two, day three. And then by the end, I was like, I want to turn this into a book. And so I just formatted it as day one, day two, day three. So I didn't change anything. And then I actually couldn't find an agent and ended up self-publishing. So it's a self-published book. Oh, good. You're getting and, all the money. Listeners, go buy through hiking will break your heart and Carrot's going to get all the money. That's true. Yeah, you do make a lot more money. That's awesome. So it would have been helpful to have an editor. And if I publish mm -hmm. that now, I would mm -hmm. hire my own editor because I think there's things about the book that probably could have been better. I can't really find anything that would make oh, it better, that's, honestly. That's the thing is, that's how I feel about writing is that, yeah, yeah editing is important. All these things are important, but also stories are just stories and we love a good story. And at the end of the day, we don't care. We just want to read a good story. So I appreciate that. The, the people that like the book, I feel like they're like, this is a great story. I think Cheryl Strayed with Wild, I loved Wild. And I think she did yeah. such a good job of tying all of her backstory and internal world yeah. in with the experience of being on the PCT. I didn't do that. It wasn't even intentional. I think I didn't know how at the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to like structure... Mm -hmm a book like that. But I still think that it's cool how it ended up because it is just this visceral embodied virtual reality. Yes, You put yourself in my shoes and you are walking down the trail. So that's kind of cool. So then I wrote another book called The Sunset Route that is entirely mm. about my childhood. So then I like... Oh, I'm moving on to that one next. So Through Hiking Will Break Your Heart sold pretty <laughs> well. So then I was able to get a literary agent because I was able to be like, look, this book did well. Like my writing has commercial value. So then... yeah my literary agent was able to sell my next book, The Sunset Route, to a traditional publisher. And I had an editor, which was great. I got to work with an editor. But that book, honestly, it's not as fun. It's kind of something I wanted to write because I have this like sad, dark childhood that there's a lot of memoirs I've read by people who had sad, dark childhoods where they're able to spin it in like a funny way or an entertaining way. And I kind of was like, I can't do that. So I wrote this book just to kind of get it out of me, The Sunset yeah. Route, but it's actually like a little bit depressing. So yeah. That's my caveat. I like fun books. I want to write more fun books. The Sunset Route is actually kind of just sad. So I haven't read Sunset Route yet. Is it okay if I ask you some questions about your yeah, background? Yeah, sure, totally. Okay. What I thought was cool about it, because the whole time I was like, 
What is Carrot's backstory? Like, how come she's just up and going on a trail? Nobody's saying you shouldn't. The through hiking podcast that led me to you, the guys like his parents have all these opinions about him going on the trail and things. Where's Carrot's people and where are their opinions and what's going on? And then second half of the book, the way it comes up is that you are looking at trees and the trees represent comfort to you. The trees represent, at least the way I, and maybe I'm projecting my own shit onto this, but there's something about the feminine vibe of those trees that seems to just kind of have you. When all hell's breaking loose, you've got these trees that have just got you. And that becomes a portal to your backstory. Talk about your mom for a second. I kind of grew up without parents in Anchorage, Alaska. So I would spend a lot of time in the woods. So Anchorage is a city, but it has all of these miles long stretches of forest in it. And in the forest, there are lakes and creeks that run with salmon and like bears and moose and all these things. And when I was a kid, my home life was like really hellish and chaotic. So I would spend as much time as I could outside in the woods, mm. in the boreal forest. And my relationship to those trees was the only secure attachment of my childhood. Like, I'm literally not exaggerating. Like, I felt like those trees loved me and that they were nurturing me. And I would go, like, I remember in winter, like the spruce trees would make these like little caves where their lower boughs would touch the snow and you could crawl under those boughs and there'd be like a little snow cave. And I would go and crawl in there and lay in these snow caves and feel so comforted and held and nurtured. And I still feel that way. Like that relationship with trees has continued my entire life. Like I can like put my hand on a tree and get these like good vibes. I don't know. I actually feel like different trees have different vibes. And I don't know. It's like this whole thing I experienced, Mm -hmm. but I get it. I feel like it saved me as a child or gave me this one window into healthy attachment or like being loved. Because even when we're children, even if our parents don't love us, it's like the universe always loves us. You know, right. this there's no separation. It's we're all just one. And it's this system where we're all connected, even though it feels like we're not connected. And so that was my window into that was these trees. I could feel that connection and I could feel that I wasn't alone and I could feel that they loved me. It was so beautiful. And your mom had severe mental illness, right? Am I saying this right? That she struggled with schizophrenia. Is that right? Yeah, she's schizophrenic. Yeah. And then your grandparents raised you. They were not easy. This wasn't like cozy, snuggly grandparents raising They adopted me when I was 14. So before that, I just lived in Anchorage. Yeah, and just kind of didn't have parents. But when I was 14, they adopted me and I moved to Colorado to live with them. And there, my aunt actually told me this, their philosophy with raising children is you would never say something nice to a child's face because it will give them a big head. Oh, shit. So they basically would just nag me. They just, and at that point, I was old enough and cynical enough to not, I mean, it hurt, but I immediately recognized it for what it was, like immediately. And we hated each other. And I just lived with them for three years. Then when I was 17, I moved out on my own. But but yeah, so growing up, I just didn't have caregivers. And then my grandparents were just like, tell me I was a failure and that I was fucking up. (laughs) That's what's so (laughs) insane to me is actually... When I hear about the role that those trees played in that the just being outside played for you, it's such an incredible example of something bigger than us having us. Mm-hmm. That little girl shouldn't have survived all that. And she did because of the way she was held in her ecosystem. And mm-hmm. actually, that leads me to kind of the last thing I want to ask you before I let you go. 
one of my favorite things to think about and talk about and study and wrestle with is time. And I am probably undiagnosed ADHD my whole life, unmedicated. And I am fascinated by how hyper-focus can work for people like me. I can lose all sense of time. Then I feel like time goes... I mean, this is a human thing. But what I loved about Through Hiking Will Break Your Heart too is you're constantly thinking about that. Like what even is time? Talk about how... Because you do a lot of outdoor adventure even still, it sounds like you're leading groups, you're creating these retreats. How do you experience time when you're in your place right now versus when you're out with a retreat group or you're out on a trail? You know, I was just thinking about the other day how when we're, or when I'm at home, time just flies by. A month will just melt away. And then if I'm traveling, a month feels like so much time. Like it's almost like excruciating how much happens in a month when I'm traveling. And I think a lot of that has to do with like newness versus familiarity. And I think when something is new for us, time like stops in a way because nothing is muscle memory and it's all just like thinking really hard and time just like screeches to a halt. One thing I did do while through hiking is, is it quantum physics, quantum mechanics? That conception of time is that time and space are just constructs that our brains use to like make sense of all the data we're getting. And that actually everything's happening all at once on the head of a pin. I love that. that. Yeah. I read that and I was like, yes. yes." Yeah. The times I've been long distance hiking, I'll be in moments where it's been like really difficult. At the end of the day, maybe I have five miles to camp and my feet just hurt really, really bad and it feels intolerable, but you know, I don't have a choice. And I'll just tell myself, this moment's already over. This moment has already finished. I'm already in camp. I'm already dead. All of this has already happened. And that helps me get through it because I'm like, I'm already in camp. This moment's already over. And then I get to camp and I'm like, oh, it's true. You know, and then- Isn't that amazing? Inversely, you can use it if you're having like a really magical moment. You can say like, this moment is actually happening forever. Every moment that has ever happened happens forever, like just emanates out into the universe forever. So like all the beautiful moments we've ever happened are just like continuing to happen forever, which I think that's really cool too. So I love that. And it sort of lines up too with the psychology of thought and the way we see things. Like if I think of a lemon, my mouth starts to water. If I think about a speech I have to give next week, my heart starts to pound. There's so much power in deciding how you want to tell your mind to think about a moment, whether it's Mm -hmm. good or bad, the different strategies. I think that's just so brilliant. I think the last thing I just want to ask you is, so you wrote Through Hiking in 2013. It's been 10 years, right? Yeah, it came out in 2015. Yeah, but that's when I first, yeah, when I first hiked and kept the blog. Yeah, totally. So you have one foot in that timelessness and that outdoor carrot who's like in the moment and embodied. And then you have one foot in the, I have to pay rent. I have to deal with my life and all those things. Like, What have you learned about functioning in modern society? Like, I Every day I wake up and I'm like, I do not belong here. This is so hectic. How did I get myself into this pickle with this whole suburban catastrophe? What have you learned about just being a human being in, in modern times? 
Yeah, I mean, none of us belong here. Like, this is not the life that we evolved for. <laughs> right? Thank you. I feel like, like a space alien. No, I think that we all evolved to live, for one, seasonally, like doing fun, not necessarily fun, but like physical, embodied, seasonal tasks together. Now is the time to harvest the thing. Now is the time to make the thing. Now is it, like, and have this yearly, seasonal, like very grounded, place-based life. I like to catch myself when I start to complain about modern life because I'm also like, I love modern dentistry. Yes, no oh, one gets God for antibiotics, like, you know? Yeah, yeah, and for most of human history, the infant mortality rate was just astronomical. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no matter at any point in human history that we're born, any point on the earth, like nobody gets to have it all. Embodiment has never been anything but hard. But yeah, this is the way it's uniquely hard now is that we're disconnected from the earth, which is, I think, one of the most important attachments of our lives is like mm. our attachment to the earth. So mm. we don't have that. I think that's what I've learned is to kind of try to have a sense of humor about it and be like, yeah, this is a really weird way to live. It's not what we evolved for. I love modern dentistry. I love that everyone has access to birth control. And yeah. I love for all now. these things for now. <laughs> <laughs> I love running water. It is really weird. It is really weird. So I have learned that I am, yeah, maybe you relate. I am much too feral to like have a nine to five. I have to work for Same. myself. Same. <laughs> yeah, I have to be self-employed. I just yeah. have to. Like I am much too feral for anything else. And with the way my brain works. I mean, being self-employed, yeah, you can probably really, being self-employed is terrifying. It is. But it's There's also- no safety net. No, it's also really rewarding. And I'm like, okay, this is what works best for me. Like all these different choices we have within our current world are hard in different ways. And this is the one that is most functional for me. And so I've just tried to be gentle with myself and roll with it and be like, I'll never have that stability or security that a lot of my friends have where you work for someone else. But at the same time, my life is an adventure and I love feeling like anything is possible. Mm. And when I work for myself, I feel that way for better or worse. Yeah. <laughs> I am the creator of this universe that I make for myself. And that's really fun. So I love yeah. that. And I feel like somebody, honestly, Karen, I feel like somebody should buy the movie rights to Through Hiking Will Break Your Heart. I've already casted your role. I've got, <laughs> I got ramen cast. Like I got it all figured out. And maybe you'll sell the movie rights and somebody actually talented will make it a film because... You're so freaking talented. I feel like you need to be a household name. That's my oh, wish for the universe. Thank you. I think it would be best as a TV show though, because... Oh, good call. A through hike call. is so long. You You're right. You really want to have these episodes. Like yes. You have an episode where the person like gets blisters. You can have an episode. Like each episode could deal with these different things that come up. So also just love the bits of romance through it. There's like a hair tie moment. There's a rot, like it, but it's not like overwrought or weird. It's just humans humaning. And sometimes yeah. humans like to human up against each other. You know, I'm glad you feel that way. That's something about the book that when I look back, I kind of cringe because I think maybe if I had an editor, I would have taken those parts out. So, no but some way. people love it. So it's I'm so, like, because great. it's because it's <laughs> mammals mammaling. That's what I appreciated. If it didn't have that, I'd be like, well, I like this part of it, but it doesn't feel like a three-dimensional human creature. I freaking loved it. Okay, so <laughs> people listening, Kara Quinn is on Substack. How does the address? I think it's Substack? like karaquinn.substack.com. That's right. That's right. Sign up for a subscription. The second thing is, how do we find out about your retreats and get on all the lists? My website, karaquinn.com. You can also subscribe 
to that. And I post mm-hmm. there when I have a new retreat. I also post about it on my Substack and I talk about it on Instagram where I'm just Carrot Quinn. So pretty much anywhere you follow me, yes. Instagram, Substack or my blog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so CarrotQuinn.com on my blog, there's a little box on the side where you can subscribe. And then That's every great. time I post, I, you get. So any of those you'll That's hear. That's great. And your retreats aren't just long distance hiking retreats. They're also writing. Like you're writing and hiking and doing all the things, right? So one of them I do so far, I've organized trips for beginners, intermediate and advanced kind of backpacking. And the beginner one, there's also a writing element. It's a pretty small portion because we're still spending most of our time learning, hiking, setting up our gear, doing all these different things. But we do like a 10 minute writing exercise every day. So that's kind of as intensive as the writing gets. That might be perfect for a lot of us. I mean, I cannot think of anything I'd rather do. That's going to go on my bucket list. I'm turning 50 next year. So maybe in my decade before I hit 60, I'll do at least the beginner, if not matching my way up. It's So that one is amazing too, because my friend Kelly Kate, who is a backcountry cook, cooks our meals. So we spend a few days in town at our rental house before we go backpack for three days. And while we're there, she cooks for us. And it's honestly like the best I've ever eaten in my life. I was geeking out so, on that, on your blog. I was like, oh my God, somebody cooks for us. Now yeah. I'm talking. <laughs> so that, that one is really, it's just like total pleasure. And it's great. I think that's a great environment in which to be a beginner too, because when you're a beginner, everything's so overwhelming. So having these things that are just very cushy and very taken care of and very, I think that helps with like the kind of how rough, it helps balance out how rough it is to be like, oh, I tried out these shoes and it turns out they really hurt my feet or like these different things. So yeah, the physical discomforts. Yeah, the physical discomfort. Carrot, thank you so, so. Oh, one more question. How did you get your name? I actually picked it when I was 19. It was kind of a silly nickname. And then I just kept it because I like how unique it is and kind of how jokey it is. And I don't know. I always liked being the only one with a name. I can relate. Bronwyn. I meet a Bronwyn every five or six years. So that's a great name. Thank you. I love it. It was hard to be a little kid named Bronwyn, but it's great being a <laughs> I I think that we should normalize, you know, some cultures, people change their names throughout their life. I think we should normalize that because then maybe when you're a little kid, you get a generic name so you don't get bullied. And then when you get older, you can yes. change it to something more interesting. That's genius. That's actually genius. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, you are a delight. I wish you all the best, all the abundance. And I will make sure that all the links are in the show notes. Thank you so much. It was great talking with you, Bronwyn. Hey, if you haven't already, hit subscribe so you can get my latest podcast episodes delivered hot off the press or share this with someone who could use it. If you're looking to go further on this journey as a communicator, head over to bronwyncommunications.com forward slash subscribe and get on that newsletter. You get fresh tips every Monday morning to set you up for the week. And on the last Saturday of the month, you'll get a short email with my favorite things that I'm into. If you're dealing with a tough client or work situation, you need better skills for managing hard conversations, check out my No Enemy Conversation course. It's at noenemy.bronwyncommunications.com and it is self-paced and it is all there for you. Lastly, if your company or organization needs a high voltage keynote speaker who knows how to melt faces and blow minds, virtually or in real life, I am your gal. I have two dozen different fantastic keynote topics and you and I, we can make something killer happen. So shoot me a note and let's do it. That's Bronwyn at bronwyncommunications.com. Take care and shine on. 
we need your light. <laughs>